We don't know the answer to that question. Sorry. Uh, how's everybody doing this morning? Everybody feeling good? Everybody awake? Can you hear me? All right, good. And we're going to start. Um, I'm really excited to get to have the opportunity to do this again. The question we are working on right now is why, obviously, from the video. Um, so we're working on this question why. People love why, don't we? We love asking the question why. We want to take and hold why and cling to why and never let why go, right? Too much? Okay. Uh, the general idea, though, is people, we do love asking why. Why, we, when we ask the question why, we want to understand the reasoning behind something. Okay, we was, it's, we're seeking understanding. That's why we ask why. As a pastor, uh, why, when people think about their, their uh, relationship with God and their purpose in this life, why is the question they ask most often? And most of the time, I'll be honest with you, I'm incapable of answering uh, most of the why questions that, that come my way. For instance, Tim, how did you have such an incredible head of hair? I don't know. Genetics, you know? You can't, you can't beat them. Uh, God's will. All right. Um, but seriously, though, a lot of times the why questions are pretty complicated. Uh, a lot of times we don't know all the answers. But over the next few weeks, what we're trying to do is answer some of the whys that I feel like I'm capable of answering. And last week we answered the first one, which was, why me? Staring in the face of all God offers, we look and we say, God, why me? He has this task for us. He has this plan for us. And we go, God, why me? He wants us to follow his son. He wants, us to, uh, he wants to work in us. And he has a plan for using each and every one of us. But most of us can't get over who we are, the mistakes we've made, or the uselessness that we feel. And so we look at God and we say, why me, God? And if you remember, uh, uh, if you remember last week, we used the story of Moses, right? And uh, uh, basically it's the story where Moses and God appears to him in the form of a burning bush and talks to Moses. And Moses is basically, God has given him this task. And Moses is just like, uh, I'm not the right guy for the job. I'm not, I'm not the right person. Why me, God? I'm, I'm not who you, would choose, you, should, uh, you should choose for someone uh, for a task like this. And uh, it's it's pretty awesome story, and we went through it, and hopefully by the end of it, we realized that we are a lot like Moses, that we're making the same mistake Moses made, and that is we're looking at ourselves and we're going, man, we're not good enough, and we're not qualified, and that we're missing the whole point. And the point is, is that God is enough. God is strong enough. He is wise enough. He is great enough. He is powerful enough to see us through anything. And to definitely see us through the plan that he has for us. And so hopefully each one of us came to a point last week where we said we were okay with saying for the first time, God, I know I'm not qualified, but I know that I'm perfect for the plan you have for me. Okay, so everybody remember that? So everybody's on the same page now? Give me a big shake of the head, yes, okay, we're all good, great, I like that. I need that kind of affirmation in my life. Um, just like Moses, in spite of everything we know about ourselves, we should be inspired by everything we know about God. Okay, so that's, that's where we are. That's, that's where we ended up. That's where we left off. So we left off with God has a plan for you. He has a plan for every single one of us. Now, I want to kind of ad lib a little bit right here because it's something I got to thinking about yesterday. And uh, the plan in itself, if you look at the global view of the plan, for each and every one of us is, is essentially the same. Okay. But the details, the specifics are all, are all there too. There are differences in the variables. For instance, uh, where you live, what you do, right? Uh, the people that you're surrounded with, the family that you're born in. All of these are details. Now, they really matter to us, but to God, these are details of, of where we are, okay? But the overall plan is the same, and I'm going to tell you what that plan is, okay? 
So if you're ever wondering what your purpose was in life, I'm fixing to, I'm fixing to throw it at you right here, okay? Every single one of us was meant to be in a relationship with Jesus Christ in order that as he worked in us, he could begin to work through us and help change the lives of other people. Now, how is he going to change them? He's going to change them by we're going to be bringing Christ to other people and we're going to be taking Christ to people. Does that make sense? So does that make, I mean, does everybody understand what I'm saying? I, I put it to you this way. We're supposed to be the workers made through uh, his workmanship to further the work that Jesus Christ began. Now, really, I just said that sentence because I want to see how many times I can say work. All right? But that's the general idea. Every single one of us is supposed to be in a relationship with Jesus Christ where he works through us, and we begin to help uh, change the lives of the people around us, the people in our circles. We're supposed to be sharing Jesus with our lives and with our words. I think Paul said it best in Philippians. Paul says, um, uh, Basically, this is, this is how he words it. He says, man, he said, everything about my life, every detail about my life, everywhere I've been, everything that I've done, every person that I've come in contact with, all of that was there so that I could share the good news. That's how Philippians says it. That's how Paul says it in Philippians. Now, one thing is before we can move forward in the sermon, we all have to be on the same page, okay? Every single one of you has to agree with me that this is what we're supposed to do. That, that, that we're, this, is, this is our task. This is the plan ha- that God has for us. Each one of us has to agree. And I'll be honest with you, I could sit up here and this could be a whole sermon. I could do a whole series on this if I wanted to, uh, if God led me to do that. But Matthew 28, verses 19 through 20, if I, I mean, that's a verse that I would use and I would, that would be the Great Commission, you know, where we would say something like, you know, we're supposed to go into the world and we're supposed to baptize people in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. We're supposed to be, you know, turning these people into disciples. I could cite that verse for you if I needed to. Uh, Mark 16, 15, go into all the world that's what jesus said go into all the world telling people about me we can cite that verse we could uh paul pleaded in the epistles he said uh second corinthians uh, uh chapter 5 verse 20 i think he said we are supposed to be ambassadors for christ i could quote that okay uh another one uh would be uh what was it forgot uh matthew five sixteen is let your light shine, let your light shine is what jesus said let your light shine so that others will see me but do I need to do that? Or can we just take a vote real quick? I like votes. It's a democracy. All right? Uh, real quick, let's take a vote. If you are all in agreement with me that it's our responsibility, our task, the plan that God has for us is to be in a relationship with us and to help us take Christ to other people. If we can all agree with that, can we just raise our hands? All right, sweet. Good. So we... we Knock that out of the way. If y'all didn't raise your hands, I was just going to quit. See, y'all messed up, see? I would just say, okay, well, I'm done. Y'all have a good day. Uh, So everybody agrees. That's great. Now we can move forward. It's supposed to be a beautiful thing. People reaching people, lives touching lives, Jesus working through each and every one of us. It's supposed to be a miraculous thing. We're supposed to get to see miraculous things, just like Moses did. Incredible things happening around us. But constantly we ask a question. We know what we're commissioned to do. We know what we're, that we're supposed to be leading people to Christ and that we're supposed to be taking Christ to people. But in a matter of seconds, upon looking at a lot of the people around us, we ask this question. Why them? And we're not the first ones to ask this question. Matter of fact, this question has been asked consistently since the beginning of time. And I want to tell you a story today. It's found in the book of Jonah, chapter 1. Okay, and so I want you guys to uh, uh, know a little background first, though. Jonah is a prophet, 
Okay? So that means he is God's man. That means he, his life literally revolves around doing what, what uh, God has asked him to do. Doing God's bidding. He goes where God tells him to go. Jonah uh, says what God tells him to say. And he does what God tells him to do. That's who he is. Okay? That encompasses his life. He is a prophet of God. A, he was God's man. Okay? So everybody got that? that Make sense? Shake your heads. Good. All right. Great. Let's read uh, verse 1. The Lord gave this message to Jonah, son of Amittai. Get up, see this is a task, get up and go to the great city of Nineveh. Announce my judgment against it because I have seen how wicked its people are. All right, so what just happened? Jonah's been given a task, right? God just laid out the plan in front of him. Jonah, I need you to go and I need you to warn Nineveh. What Jonah was essentially supposed to do is be the spokesman for God, go and he's going to warn He's going to warn this city because it has become so wicked. He's going to give them a day and time. God is going to destroy your city then and say, this is, this is what's coming. Now, God wants Jonah to warn them, and Jonah knows this. God wants Jonah to warn them in the hopes that these people will turn from their wicked ways and they will return to God. Does that make sense? Everybody understand? That's what the task is. Now, I want you to look at Jonah's reaction. Verse 3. But Jonah got up and went in the opposite direction. I love how it says that in the Bible. As I just imagine Jonah's like standing in his house and he's like out the back door. You know, God wanted him to go through the front door and leave. And Jonah's like, peace, dog. You know, I don't know if that's, I mean, I don't know if you would call God dog. Sometimes I do. It's just God backwards. Um, what is it? It is. Look at Jonah's reaction. Opposite direction to get away from the Lord. He went down to the port of Joppa where he found a ship leaving for Tarshish. He bought a ticket and went on board, hoping to escape. Read that. Hoping to escape from the Lord by sailing to Tarshish. That is a hard word to say and it makes me really nervous. Anyway, what just happened? What just happened? Jonah just ran away from God. This is God's man we're talking about. His life revolves around doing what God's asked him to do. I mean, he's been doing it for some time. He's God's spokesman. He says what God tells him to say, right? We just said all of that. What did this guy just do? He just turned around and hit the door running. Why did he run? Well, let me tell you a few things he didn't run. He didn't run because he had other travel plans. It wasn't deer season, okay? He didn't need to go on some trip deer hunting. It's not what it was. He didn't run because he was too busy. Work was just killing him. That's not why he ran. Uh, he didn't run because he didn't like big cities. That's Jake Black. Jake ain't never been out of Wahala. All right? He didn't, he's not, that wasn't, you know, I just don't do crowds. That wasn't why, that wasn't why Jonah ran. Jonah didn't run because he was sick of serving God, and that's not why he ran. He wasn't tired of serving God. That had nothing to do with it. Jonah didn't run because of, uh, he had a paying gig, you know, a better paying gig somewhere else. That's not why he ran. Jonah didn't run because he had a hot date with Jessica from Tarshish. I don't even know that there was a Jessica there. But that's not why he ran. He didn't run. None of those reasons have anything to do with why he ran. If we read on in this story, what we end up finding out is Jonah ran in the opposite direction. And, I'm, and this is, that's all the story I'm giving you guys. Okay, So if you want the rest of it, you have to go check it out. Funny story. 
Jonah ran because of the people he was asked to go and help. And if you have kids, man, you've seen this before. And, I, and this is just how I imagine it in my mind. But God, you know, issues uh, Jonah this task. And I promise you, you know, Jonah, he's just like, no. No. Why them, God? I don't want to help those people. I don't want to warn those people. I don't want to do anything for those people. That's what Jonah was saying. He didn't want anything to do with them. He didn't want to help them. He didn't care what happened to them. So it made me ask this question this week. What was it about them that made him respond in that way? See, there was something about the people of Nineveh. Something about the Ninevites. And I'm going to share. I wrote a list down of what I think the Ninevites were. From a little bit of from study, but also just pretty solid hypothesis. Educated guesses. But I want you to listen because I think it's, they're wicked people. And I'm going to give you that list. Is that okay? I'd like to give you the list. First of all, I believe it was a cultural thing. The city of Nineveh was Assyrian. Okay? Assyrian meaning that where it is now modern day is Iraq. So these people were Arab. That means Jonah knew that these people were potentially dangerous to his people, the Israelites. Correct? You see what I'm saying? These are people that, that he knew. These people are dangerous. These are people I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't want to help these people. I don't want to have anything to do with these people. And it wasn't just for him or his people. It was for the generations to come. He knew that, that these people were going to be a problem for his great, great, great grandchildren. You see what I'm saying? So it was a cultural thing. It was an ethnicity. It was a race thing. He didn't want anything to do with them because of who they were. Because they were a different group of people. He was more worried about his people than he was those people. Does that make sense? That's one. I believe he knew this. I believe he knew that God had tried and tried and tried and tried with these, kind of, with these people. I believe he knew that God had, had for generations upon generations tried to show these people that he was God. Tried to bring these people back from uh, the wicked that they always seemed to turn to. He had tried and tried and tried. And Jonah looked and he said, you know what? They don't deserve a final warning. They don't. Destroy them. They don't deserve a final warning. They don't need one last shot, God. They don't need one last chance. Destroy them. I believe that was part of it. I tell you, it could, have been, it could have been characteristically about the people, though. You know what I believe? I believe the Ninevites were probably jerks. I believe that. Well, Ronnie would call them jacklegs. That's what he would say. These are the kind of people, man, they don't wave at you when you go down the road, give you, you know, the finger. They may give you the other one. That's the kind of people they were. They don't smile at you when you hold the door open for them. Suckers. I bet these people were known as being smart mouth, treat you like dirt, disrespectful, arrogant, inconsiderate, egomaniacs. All they do is run people down. All they do is anyone that's around, they just want to make them feel like junk, make them feel like lesser people. That's the kind of people I believe the Ninevites probably were. Maybe it was worse than that. Maybe they were greedy, thieving, cheating, stealing, out to get theirs, money grubbing, hold on to your wallet, or you'll lose it, carnivorous people. I believe they were that kind of people. I believe they were untrustworthy, lying, hurtful, hateful, 
out to get you, backstabbing, deceitful, dishonest. I believe they were all those things. 120,000 people in Nineveh, and I believe this is the way they were. I believe this. I believe that perhaps their sin or their lifestyles were so disgusting that Jonah couldn't bring himself to be anywhere near them. I believe that. Being around them made him uncomfortable, uneasy, sick to his stomach just to be associated with them. I believe that. I believe Jonah knew how they felt about God's prophets. I believe that. I bet he knew that the Ninevites hated God's prophets and God's people. I believe he knew that. And he was terrified because of what he had heard or maybe even things he had seen. He was terrified of the thought of stepping in front of them because he knew they already hate me. Me going in there and warning them is like, just going to make that worse. I believe he knew that. I believe that through the generations and, and everything, but I believe that through somewhere, somehow, someone of that culture or even from Nineveh had done something so bad to Jonah or someone that Jonah cared about that frankly he didn't care whether they were saved or not. They had wounded him so deeply that it had calloused to the point where he literally just didn't care whether they were saved. And on top of that, he probably just wished that God would destroy him. Does all that sound reasonable? Does that sound reasonable to you guys, that, that, that that's where we are, that that's, that's what was happening? I believe so. Whatever the reason, it's obvious that something about the people kept Jonah from wanting to get involved. It kept him from wanting to help. It kept him from wanting to warn them. And guys, to me, this is one of the elephants in the room that you seldom hear the church talk about. And if we do, we kind of pitch and roll around it. Because every single one of us look at some of the people around us. Now, I want to make sure you understand. When I'm talking about people around us, I'm talking about people we know need Christ. Okay? So apply that definition to everyone. I'm, I'm, I'm talking about the people we see around us that we know need Christ. I want to tell you, we look at some of them, and we look at God, and we stomp our feet, and we say, why them? No. Not them. We do exactly what Jonah did. We look at some of the people around us. Something about them keeps us from wanting to get involved. Something about them keeps us from wanting to help them or warn them. It keeps us from wanting to follow God's plan for our lives and helping people find and follow Christ. Something about them keeps us from wanting to do that. When we, there are people around us, some of the people around us, when we see them and we know they need Christ, can I tell you something about them? Some of them are jerks. Can I say that? Is that okay? Some of them are not nice people. They're hateful, hurtful, and mean. Some of them are disrespectful and inconsiderate. They're jackleggs. Some of them are. 
Something about these people keeps us wanting to get help. And I'm telling you, every single one of you right now, I want you to be thinking about people that you're surrounded by. And I want you to be thinking about the people that you're trying to show Christ to. And I want you to be thinking about this because I'm telling you, sometimes we look and we go, why them? And this is not a question. This is not a question where, to me, you know, we just look to God and ask it. This is a gut question. Okay, this is a question like it resonates from down in here, and it's and it's a over in a split. It's a decision in a split second. You don't even know how it happened, but you felt it. You made a decision, and you move on. We walk on. Some of the people around us that we know need Christ are aggravating people. They're annoying. Some of the people around us that we know need Christ are tough to be around. could be their arrogance or their ego or some other characteristic but something about them just makes them tough to love some of them some of the people we have around us in our family workplaces all around us some of them we know man they're real scoundrels they lie they cheat they steal they're completely untrustworthy they struggle with things serious things that make them untrustworthy. Some of them we know that way. Some of the people we know around us, man, and I want you to listen, some of the people we know around us, man, their sinful lifestyles, or or maybe it's just a specific sin, man, it, it disgusts us so bad that we don't want anything to do with them. We don't even want to be near them. It makes us queasy. Uncomfortable. And we're disgusted because of some self-righteous feeling that we, that we hate the thought that somebody would associate us with them. Are you hearing me? Head nod, please. Cool. We know a lot of them hate us. We know that. If you scroll through Facebook for more than five seconds, you're going to realize that a large portion of the world doesn't like Christians. And we know that. And so we know a lot of the people around us that we know need Christ, we look and we go, oh man, they hate us. They don't want anything to do with us. And we're terrified at the thought of the conversation that might ensue. If we were to ever try to show them Christ, if we were ever trying to live Christ, if we were ever trying to, God forbid, talk about Christ in front of them. We already know how they feel about us. Why would we want to try? I know every one of us can look around, and some of the people that are around us that we know need Christ, some of those people have hurt us and hurt us bad. I want to be honest. I mean, this is just, they did something terrible. Stomped us. Wounded us. And I and I'm, and I'm going to be honest with you, it's a wound. I mean, it is a, it is a fresh, gaping wound that seems like it will never heal. Every single one of us have those people in our lives that have done that to us. And I want to tell you something. A lot of us, we have struggled and go, you know what? I don't care. I don't care. I don't care if they ever find Christ. It doesn't matter to me. We're so calloused and we're because, because of that wound. It doesn't matter to us. Every single one of us can, can think of people I know that are around us every single day or, you know, we come in contact with regularly. We can think of people 
that fit this description. And you know right now that a lot of times you, you, you in your gut, ask, why them? You know? You know you're supposed to be living Christ in front of you. You know you're supposed to be sharing Christ. You know you're supposed to not be afraid to speak about it. Man, you just, you just can't bring yourself to do it for, for any of these reasons, for anything of these reasons about the people. Maybe it's someone we know, and, and, and we go, man, you know, they've had 25,000 chances. Why should I ever get involved with somebody who had 25,000 chances? We look at God constantly, and we ask, why them? Now, I want to be honest with you. I always try and, and to preach a sermon that, that, I'm, that I'm in the process of. Okay, you'll never hear me get up here and say, now, I, this I got figured out, you know, and preach it like I've been, you know, just killing it or something. This is something for me this week, man. There have been a lot of tears, and there's been a lot of, you know, I don't know, pain involved in this. But right now, you're probably thinking exactly the same thing that I was thinking about Wednesday. Okay, and Wednesday I sat down, man, and I was praying, and this is, I'll be honest with you, this is what I was praying, I was saying, God, you know, I know, man, there are people I've skipped, there are people I've passed by, there's people I've avoided, I've avoided helping, I know that, God, uh, and, and, I, and, I, and I've moved on, you know, I know I've moved around them, I've moved past them, I, I know that, God, but I want you to understand, God, I, and I mean, I was praying, seriously, I didn't say, God, I, I don't want you, I still want them to get saved. That's what I said. I said, God, I, you know, I know, I know there are people I've skipped. I know there are people I've avoided. I know there are people I've passed. But, God, I want them to get saved. I, I, know, I want you to know that. I want them to get saved. And I'm going to tell you what I feel like God said back to me. And you will seldom hear me uh, just, you know, just this clearly. God, I mean, it was like this, and I knew exactly what God told me. He asked me, he said, Tim, let's say you're walking through a desert. And you notice a man, and there he lays. And you can tell immediately that this, ki- this guy, this man, is dying of dehydration, exposure. And you can, tell from his, you can tell from his wails how he's wailing and how he's crying that if he doesn't get water soon, that he's going to die. You can tell. And you can tell from his grimace and the way he's laying in the fetal position and grabbing at his belly that literally his organs are shutting down. And if he doesn't get a drink of water soon, he is going to die. Now, now let's say, Tim, you're walking past this guy. Now, let's say you just, you just keep walking. Let's say you just move on. Let's say that you pass on by. He said, would you really look at me and say, I really want that guy to have a drink of water. I wish that guy would have got a drink of water. He said, could you really look at me and say that? He said, because that's exactly what you're doing. Every single one of us do that. Look, I'm not telling you. It ain't been told to me. Every single one of us have some people around us. And we pass, them, we pass them by, we skip over them, we avoid them. Because of their sin or who they are or how they act or, or whatever, we, we walk right past them. Can I answer a question for you? Why them? Why them? Because we used to be them, 
We used to be them. Some of us still act like them a lot of the time. That's a whole other sermon. used to be them. We used to feel that lost. We used to struggle that bad. We used to feel that angry. We used to be that bitter. We used to react that poorly. Christ coming into our lives is the only thing that makes us different than them. So when we ask a question, why them, what we probably need to realize is, We're only one step away from being them. And that's Jesus. I'd like to do this real quick. Um, Every single one of us, I believe, can think of somebody who was pivotal in bringing you to Christ. Okay? And I don't know how that was. It could be, it could be they invited you to church, or it could be that they, you, know, you work with them, they live a Christ-like life, or whatever. But, it, but right now, if you could think of, of one person, uh, and they may be in this room, but if you could think of one person who you think is pivotal in, in, in connecting you with Jesus Christ, I'd like for you to raise your hand. You think of one person? Okay, awesome. Let me ask you a question. How many times did it take you to respond to Christ? How many times does it take you? Look, this guy right here. Took me a lot of times. What if what if the people that I'm thinking of, what if the people that, I, I mean, I got a list in my head of people that I know were pivotal in bringing me to Jesus Christ. What if the people I, I'm thinking of had looked at me and said, no, that guy, that kid, he's a lost cause. Now, a lot of y'all, y'all don't remember me when I was 19, and it's funny. I mean, I even hear jokes now about me being a pastor and stuff, and that's all funny. You don't remember me when I was 19, 20 years old. I remember me when I was 19, 20 years old, and it was very possible that people could have looked at me and said, no, that kid's a waste of time. What if how I was kept them from wanting to help me? They need Jesus. They need the same the <clears throat> They need the same Jesus that you got some time ago. They need Christ who can give them the peace that they are looking for, the love that they yearn for, and the mercy they won't get anywhere else. They need all the same stuff that you've already got. And we don't get to pick and choose. As much as we'd like to, picking and choosing is not our deal. The world is the world. They act like the world. Why are we surprised by that? We should be surprised when people who say they're Christians act like the world, not when people who are of the world act like they're from the world. Tony Black told me that nine years ago. And I've always remembered it. They're going to be jerks. They're going to be 
terrible. They're going to react poorly to stuff. You're never going to know what you're going to get with them. They're probably completely untrustworthy. They're, to be honest with you, they're dangerous and, and, and all those things. And, and we know all that. We know everything. I mean, we know all of that. Why are we surprised by that? doesn't make it any easier but at some point we got to stop walking past people saying man i wish that guy would get a drink of water and we got to start taking people water you got faucets what would have become of me Each of us have people in our lives that are tough to love. Every single one of you right now, I know as I've, as, as I've went through this sermon, you're just like me, man. You were thinking of people. Man, people that have been tough to love. People that, that you don't even know where to begin. Every single one of you, I know that's the case. I don't want to tell you, just like Jonah was tasked with going to Nineveh, you've been tasked with the people that are around you. They're not around you by accident. They're not, they don't... That guy that works with you that you don't know what to do with, he works with you for a reason. That lady at the office that drives everybody crazy, she's there for a reason. That family member that ain't nobody ever been able to do anything with, they're there for a reason. And we don't get to pick and choose them. And we need to remember that we are just one step away from being just like them. We need to start sharing Jesus with them. We need to live Jesus in front of them. We need to talk about Jesus in front of them. We need to talk, you know, talk about our, uh, how he's blessed us and how, and, uh, and how he's helped us through struggles. And we need to start living the way we're supposed to live and start looking at God and thinking that we can pick and choose people and go, why them? Give Christ the voice he deserves. And let's start reaching people. I want to be honest with you. One of the things that I've always loved about Golden Corner Church, man, and I mean, this is where I started. This is this is the church I, you know, I came to. And I want to tell you, one of the things I loved about it is I feel like they love everybody. I feel like that means the people do, right? So I've always felt like this church loves everybody. But I'm going to tell you something. The day that we lose that is the day that we have complete, completely missed out on what God had planned for us. Those people that you have in your life, those people that you're thinking of that are tough to love, man, we're going to pray for them right now. And this church is going to continue to move forward, and we're going to love the unlovable. In youth group, we used to say we hug the porcupine. We're going to hug the porcupines, and we're going to love these people, and we're not going to be doing the deciding. We're not going to decide who's lost causes and who's not worth our time and who disgusts us. We're not going to do that. I'd like to do something. If everybody would, would you bow your heads, please? I'd like to do something this morning, and it was completely off the cuff in first service, and it was nothing I had planned at all. And I want to do it in this service, too, just because I think it was so beneficial for the people that we prayed for. But I want to tell you, every single one of you got people right now, man, in your life. These are, and these people could be just people that you're, you've really been struggling with at your place of work, or it could be in your family. And, you've been, and, and you have been avoiding you have been avoiding sharing Christ with them. You've been, you've been hesitant. You've, you've walked past them. You've skipped past them. You've, you've missed opportunities. No, you missed opportunities on purpose because, because you just, you're just tired of dealing with them. You don't want the aggravation of dealing with them. 
I want to tell you something, guys. It's time we stop doing that. Start, we start being the people that Christ made us to be. He wants to lead us in and work in us, you know, to, to become. I want to encourage you this morning. If you got somebody like that on your mind, if you got somebody like that on your heart, maybe it's someone who wounded you very deeply. And you know. you should try to share Christ with them. I'll tell you, I just want to open up the altar right now. If you want to come up here and you want to pray about it, you want to pray for them, I want to encourage you to do that. Altar is open, man. If you want to come up here, you pray. We're going to pray together for them. Man, some people in life, man, they're just tough to love. It is challenging. It's challenging to let go of the fear is challenging to let go of the pain but guys we have been tasked with this responsibility you all agreed to it every single one of you agreed to it we know this is what we're supposed to do but at some point we gotta, we gotta start taking people water anyone else that needs to come up man please feel free, feel free to guys I'm going to lead you in this prayer okay I believe always and this is what I did man this is what I did on Friday first thing that you got to do is we, you, you got to tell God sorry got to ask for forgiveness that's what I did and if that's what you need to do if that's one of the things that you feel like you need to do you need to do it there are people man I'm telling you there are people in my life there are people in my family that I have avoided I have avoided the opportunity to either because I was too intimidated or, or frankly I just didn't love them enough God I'm sorry that I've been avoiding those opportunities I'm sorry that I've been intimidated I'm sorry that I haven't I haven't taken this as seriously as you'd like for me to. And, I, and after we've done that, guys, after you've asked that forgiveness, that's over. It's over and done. I'm going to pray a very simple prayer. God, help us to be the light that you want us to be. Help us to shine bright. Help us to love others the way we're supposed to. Help us to lead others to you. And help us to take Christ and show it world and to the people around us. Father, I know that there are people around the chairs right now and they've, they've been thinking about people. They have some specific people in mind. God, I pray that you that you work in them, that you use them in a mighty way, that you, you know, these people that we're thinking about, God, that you will help us reach them. Help us to be, help us to be the representatives for you that we're supposed to be. Help us to be the ambassadors for you that we're supposed to be. Help everything else about our life be in order for us to share the good news. Help us to be those kind of people. God, I pray for miraculous things for every single one of these people, everybody that's on everybody's mind in here uh, this morning, that you'll do something miraculous. And miraculous might be that one step. It might be a smile. It might be a nod. It might be some sort of something. But it could just be a one little step, and we're going to pray for that step. And I want to pray that you make that difference and that they see that difference and that it's obvious to them that you heard their prayer and that you're working in these situations, that you're working in the lives of these people. Help us to see that, God. And help this church always be the church that you've meant for it to be.
church that loves people. And help us to love them the way we're supposed to. In Jesus' name, amen.